Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, as we've been going through this particular series, this is a very, very interesting series to me, um, as all of them are, um, but in the sense of some of the things that a lot of times, uh, sometimes we don't talk about in church, you know, as far as just, you know, in church as a whole, you know, uh, you don't hear a lot of people talking about uh, just that flesh, the struggle that we have, you know, <clears throat> and how to deal with it. You know, sometimes we refer to it, but we don't really... It, honestly, I think sometimes it's something that we have to really continuously wrestle with and kind of learn how to deal with, learn how to die to ourselves. We're talking about the inner me, the inner me, not Satan, not Lucifer, not his demons and his minions and, you know, no principalities and all this other stuff. Yes, we do wrestle. You know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against those things. But the way that these things get advantage over us is because of the flesh nature, the sin nature that we have, that we uh, that we fight, that is contrary to where we're trying to walk. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about, uh, and the title of this morning really is, I need a little R&R. I need a little R&R, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and it's going to make sense as we, get, as we go along with the R&R that we actually need. I need some r and R, you know, sometimes we all need some R and R. We really do. You know, this life is so busy. This life is so uh, difficult to kind of deal with. Uh, even with COVID, everything that has changed over the past year, year and a half, you know, we need some R and R. I don't know about you. I know I need some R and R. So let's go to Daniel chapter six. And we're going to go to verse six. And um, we're going to start and we're going to read down to verse 10. Amen. So then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for, uh, for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8. So now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So let's go down to verse 16. So then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and, and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Amen. 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 Um, and, you know, and this morning we're going to be talking about what needing a little bit of R and R. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, you know, it's not going to be. We're not talking about rest and relaxation. You know, so <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, routine and repetition. Talking about discipline. 
you know, with the underlying subject of discipline or discipline life. Uh, and Daniel, of course, is one of the strongest people that we can begin to look at in the Bible when we really begin to see his discipline and where his discipline took him what his discipline gave him access to it. God gave him access to it with this king, with even those that were not his people. You know, how how the favor of God and just favor upon his life began to cause him to walk into promotion, walk into different things. And, you know, sometimes when we do these things or when we attempt these things, discipline is one of the things that we really have to uh, look at in our lives. Now, when we're talking about this routine, this repetition, this disciplined life, and in its connection to uh, uh, this flesh nature, this flesh nature hates discipline, hates discipline. And this is why when we really talk about this, because uh, it's why a lot of us begin to struggle with the routine or the mundane, as they call it, uh, or the tedium, as some call it, the repetition, uh, this this routine, the things that we have to do continuously that don't really have an immediate reward. And even that immediate reward, a lot of times is that feeling of something, you know, uh, something is a, a happening or I feel better or, you know, something, you know, there's an immediate result. I get some type of reward from this. Like, you know, when you go to work, of course, you know, you got a check coming. So sometimes you go through all of the routine and the repetition at work. Why? Because you need this check. That check is connected to other things. You need that money and that money is connected to other things being taken care of. So we bear down, we do it. But even in that, a lot of times we do not like having to work. We don't like having to, you know, the, 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 the discipline of work, the discipline of, of having to do the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over for years and over and over and over again. You know, uh, this is why sometimes people just up and change relationships, they up and just change cars, they up and just change houses, they up and just leave cities and just move. And, you know, uh, they, they call themselves free spirits and they can't be held down. And, you know, all these other things. And these are just different expressions of a rebellious nature that we all deal with. We don't want to be caged in. We don't want to be reined in. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be uh, instructed, corrected, or, or given any type of direction. Uh, we want to kind of follow our own way. Amen. So when we talk about this flesh, uh, what you know, and we're talking about flesh, really, this whole this whole series to a certain extent. What is the flesh? The sensuous nature of man. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. This stuff still messing up. Allergies, allergies, allergies. It's the animal nature craving, craving, uh, uh, you know, sin, you know, which, you know, uh, craving to incite to sin, you know. The earthly nature of man, apart from divine influence, therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. Human nature with its passions or the carnal, the carnal minded person, right? The carnal minded individual. This is the flesh that we're talking about. So we're not talking about just this, this flesh. This has a connection to our sin nature, right? Because of our belly and the passions that we have. And some of that passion is eating. You know, some of that passion is surviving. And some of these things that God has really 
put in us as a in a quality to be able to survive those things now have been turned where they kind of rule us more than the spiritual nature right so you know that's why we hate fasting we hate you know these 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 things that we we don't like the things that bring order and discipline that crushes the, these appetites that we have, right? Uh, that's why we hate giving up, you know, what we want, having to put your passions aside. We hate waiting, <laughs> waiting on God, waiting, being patient. God knows this is one of the ways he kills the flesh because in the wait, you have to be disciplined in your waiting. You have to be, uh, you have to not let stuff get broken up in your waiting. Uh, when you're waiting on God and you're waiting for God to do things, you know, we can't take breaks and stuff like that. So what is this? We're going to go through a good amount of definitions here uh, before we really jump into the scriptures. So y'all bear with me in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, what is this? Discipline is punishment for the sake of correction, right? We don't want to punish ourselves. Right? That's not the way we we, we think about things, right? Control gained by enforcing obedience or order. Control gained by, in, by enforcing obedience or order. Orderly or prescribed conduct or a pattern of behavior. Training, this is my favorite one out of this. Training, training that corrects modes or perfects mental faculties or moral Carrots, you know, so even when we take this definition, when you begin to look at Daniel, Daniel having this, this, this discipline to, to really do whatever he needed to do, do what he was already doing, no matter what was being put in place around him, he stayed the same. And even in a foreign land, he still had a devotion to God that could not be broken. This training on the inside of him begin to bring correction even to other people's lives around him. And he was such a uh, example and such a person that could be trusted that, you know, when we get into the scriptures, I'll talk a little bit more about his character, but this training, this is sometimes what we kind of, you know, run away from. We don't want to be trained that brings correction, right? We, and that, that training that brings, that begins to mold us in something that we didn't really ask to be. <laughs> you know, we didn't ask to be uh, molded in certain ways, right? But when God brings discipline to our lives, it's not because we have asked for certain things or we have said, okay, okay, God, this is this is how I want you. Now, some of us, we have tried to instruct God. This is how I want you to do it. God, this is how I respond. But how many of you know when you go to a job, when you go to different places, or even when you go to the gym or you go to these places where there are trainers, you don't come telling the trainer how to train you. You know, that you don't come saying, you know, you go to the gym and maybe you got a little personal coach, personal trainer. You don't, you don't tell them like, look, I only can do nine push-ups. I can't do 15. So there's no way you're going to get me to do 15. So let's just operate in the, in, 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 in the confines and in the boundaries of where I'm telling you. But this is the way we tell people. This is how we deal with people because we don't want to be trained and be disciplined outside of our comfort zone. Uh, and, but it begins to perfect what mental faculties or moral character, really kind of both. 
discipline is where a lot of us where where the sin is having to die off because of the discipline that we're bringing to the fleshly nature. When I'm saying, look, I'm dead to this, that means my mental faculty, I'm training my mental faculties, I'm training myself how to think, how to speak, how to respond, how to how to change my moral character, how to confront this sinful nature on the inside of me that says, okay, this person said this, smack them. You know, okay, this person says this, you know what I'm saying, cuss them out, you know what I'm saying, or just be silent, don't talk to them no more, or go off, you know what I'm saying, just, just you know, just insult them, cut them deep, cut them to the core, and all this other stuff. But the moral character, the training of God with the Holy Spirit comes to say, oh, shut your mouth. No, 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 you can't say that. And when that burns some of us up because we don't want that train that co- that brings correction, that begins to mold, because many of us, a lot of times, we get stuck at, well, yeah, God didn't want me to do that. Do we know why? Why is God bringing discipline? Because that brings, uh, if I do those things, it has a result. It has a reaction. Things are going to take place. And for some of us, for all of us, I can say, Our life is consistent of all the decisions that we talked about last week, the decisions that we made, whether those were disciplined decisions or whether those decisions were very undisciplined. No matter what the decision was, no matter how disciplined or undisciplined it was, we still had to live out the consequences of that decision. And this is where, (coughs) unfortunately, because it's not talked about a whole lot, and we talk about the grace of God, the church talks about the grace of God a lot, it almost paints a picture that God is just going to just give you a blank, you know, check on everything, and it doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean consequences or the reaction of things or the result of your actions have totally gone away. Right. Uh, and, you know, if, if, if I if I cuss somebody out. Right. Uh, and let's just say that's my wife. Um, the next time that we get into a heated argument. Now, her, though, she may forgive me. She's still going to kind of remember that that's how I reacted and I responded, though. She not she may not have hatred towards me, but she still may say, OK, um, you know, I don't. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how far to go. I don't want to be talked to like that again. Or she'll overcompensate and just go ahead and go there herself and just get mad real quick to maybe try to, you know, get in between or get get there first before I do or something like that. These are the things that we do. These are the things that our reactions or our result, the results of our decisions, the results of an undisciplined mouth or undisciplined decisions what they begin to do in other people's lives around us or what they do in our life, right? If you, if we're very undisciplined with our money, then how we think about money is undisciplined. Your character about money is undisciplined. If you're undisciplined with relationships or, or, or different passions that you have, whether it be sexual passion, whether it be eating, whether it be the different desires that you have, you have to, this is why God says, I have to start with the renewing of the mind to change the character. Because it's not just now I come into your spirit to make you come alive again to me. We're coming alive again to God. And this is the true definition of grace is so we can be transformed. It's not just forgiveness. 
It's not just forgiveness. This is such a limited definition of what the purpose of the grace of God that God has given to the people of God. Grace is so we can be transformed into sons into his character. Grace is not so we can take occasion to sin or do the things that we suppose that we want to do or now become very uh, uh, liberal in our beliefs and in our stance and all this stuff. That, that's not what grace is for. Grace is so God can say, I can step over your sin and still deal with your nature and still help you and still be there for you because you need me more than you know. So I have to, I, I have to figure out a way to step over what blocks me from having to come to you because if I come to you in your sin, then I'm just going to have to deal with you in your sin. So grace gives me the opportunity to come and deal with you outside of your sin, but to still hold you accountable for what you do, to still hold you accountable for what you have not done, to still hold you accountable and still walk you through the consequences of the things that you have done or the things that you have failed to do and bring what? Correction. Correction discipline, order, these things that our flesh hates, right? So we know if a person is disciplined, and this is something that Pastor Lincoln has taught, taught us and something that the Lord has shared with him, that discipline denotes consistency and consistency denotes discipline, right? Something that the Lord has spoken to him. So we're going to talk about what is consistency? What is consistency? Consistency is agreement or harmony of parts or features to one another or a whole, harmony of conduct or practice with profession, firmness of constitutional character, firmness of matter, standing together to stand firm, the state of being in agreement or harmony. So look, this is like one of the, you know, this, this word harmony now is coming up again, right? This word agreement now is coming up again. Now this just hook this up and connect this to last week. Being double-minded, what that's a that is a state of not being in harmony with oneself or one the, the direction that you need to go into. So it's difficult to be consistent if I if I have divided interests or if I have if I'm not in harmony with myself, if I'm not in harmony with the decisions that I need to make, or if I'm not in harmony with uh, uh, you know the, the way I need to go. And sometimes we can be in agreement, but we're not firm. <laughs> We're not firm because we don't like people being firm with us. We're not firm about things or rigid about things. This is how you know. Some people want to, uh, we don't like dealing with people who are firm, right? We don't like dealing with people who we call a rigid, meaning they always know this is the way you do it and that's the way it needs to be done, period. We want to say, well, there's another way. And this is, yeah, there, there may be another way, but this is the way you need to do it because this is the way I'm telling you to do it. Do it the way I'm telling you to do it. That's the way you're going to do it. Though there's another way, you can't do it another way. Because <clears throat> if you do it another way, it's not going to be successful. So consistency, because, because sometimes we're in a disagreement, silent disagreement with God it's difficult for us to be consistent with him. And this is what this silent disagreement looks like. Well, God, you know I ain't going to do everything that you say. You know it's going to, you know, there's no way I'm going, nobody obeys everything. <clears throat> and this is what we have to really, really begin to struggle, begin to really look at what does the scripture say? 
right? What's wrong with striving for perfection or striving to do everything instead of having the mindset of preparing myself to fail or preparing myself to come up short, preparing myself not to be consistent, of already giving myself a pass not to be disciplined? Why, why can't I say, you know what? I can do everything that you say. I can obey the way you say. I can, And being firm enough with ourselves that even when that sinful nature, maybe it's the best of us, maybe we don't get up. Like, I, man, I got up this morning for prayer. And Lord, I was so, I don't know. It's just I just got so tired last night. I had a whole lot of broken sleep. I didn't call the man of God. I got up one minute before Pastor Man's to me. I might as well just, just my wife was asleep. I said, Lord. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Let me just go ahead and pray real quick. And I'm going to lay it on back down because I'm so tired right now. Uh, and I don't know why I'm so tired. Well, partially I do. Uh, you know, whenever I got to give the word that, that it comes after me a lot of times to try to stop me from studying. So, you know, but that I was not firm in my consistency. 98% of the mornings, yeah. 99% of the mornings, yeah. I'm getting up, I'm calling, I'm doing, doing, trying my best to do what I need to do, right? But I'm not always firm with making that decision to do what I need to do, you know? So I gave myself a pass, you know, when, when really, you know, I didn't need to give myself a pass. And I was like, you know, I know the man of God's time, I'm just let him sleep. I feel like I'm doing him a service. I'm not doing him a service. Right. (laughs) (laughs) How am I doing him a service by not us not doing what we need to do by praying, you know, in the morning? You know, so this is where that consistency begins to get broken up in our lives. And and we get inconsistent about things because we don't want to be firm about stuff that, you know, when nobody's going to do everything and nobody's going to do, you know, but there were people in the Bible who did do you know, everything. They, they did walk with God until there was no more. Enoch, you know, we can, we see Elijah being taken up with God. We, we see there were people who had struggles. Yes, they came up yet, yeah, but their mindset was to finish what they started with God. It wasn't a mindset, right? It was, it was a disciplined mindset that even when God had to come with correction to say, okay, you're thinking wrong. You're not thinking about this correctly. Or even when he had to come with uh, discipline in their lives, we see Moses being disciplined, but he didn't walk away from his relationship with God. You know what I'm saying? He could have said, well, God, I done did all of this. I'm 80 some years old. You know, I'm old. I've, I've done all this. And now you're telling me I can't even go into the promised land because of this one thing that I did? One thing? One thing. I lost it one time. One time, God, how is this fair? God, how, but those were the consequences that he had to live with. And because he had respect for God and he had a fear of God, we never see him saying, God, that ain't fair. God, that is not right. God, it's not what, you know, that, that, look at everything else that I've done. He understood what their consequences for what we do. And, and God chooses those consequences many times. And sometimes those consequences are natural, meaning because I'm dealing with another person, the, the, the decisions that I made are going to affect that person in a certain way. And I have to deal with those decisions just because God has forgiven you doesn't mean that other people are not affected by what you did or did not do. 
grace does not mean forgiveness does that the love of God does not mean we don't have to deal with consequences. What it means is I don't have to deal with the judgment of God. That's what it really means. Grace was given so I don't go to hell. <laughs> Grace was not given so I'm, I'm, I am, you know, relieved of consequences. Grace was given so I can have salvation and that I don't go to hell. So I don't deal with the full consequences of my sin, which is penalty of death. So death does not reign over me. But that does not mean that some of these other consequences I'm not going to have to deal with. Amen. So last definition, what are we going to Routine, routine. A regular course of procedure or usual course of action, a beaten path, a beaten path. You know, so, uh, you know, even when we're talking about this, it is a beaten path. A routine is a beaten path. This is, let's just be honest for some of us, this is the boring part of salvation. <laughs> this is this is the part of salvation that's not exciting, but this is where everything births, everything is birthed out of this place. For people that you see that are champions, people that are Olympic, Olympic champions, it, you know, this this is in this place, this routine, the repetition, the tedium, the usual course of action, the regular course of procedure. This is how you do things. This is how God wants us to do it until he changes. And for some of us, that's difficult. When God changed what he wanted, what he told us to do before. Oh, we, that, we get totally messed up. Because some of us are so routine, so plan oriented that we can't, it's hard for us to, we're so rigid that it's hard for us to change or shift our plans because now we have begun to trust that plan or trust that routine more than we trust God. And God knows that. So sometimes he switches stuff up. He said, mm -mm, no, let's do it this way now. I know I told you this way, but can, do you have the discipline to follow me? Not just the discipline to follow, because the regular course of procedure is what? Well, obedience. It's not just the actions or the tasks that we're given. The, 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 the whole focus of why am I being this? I'm being disciplined to obey. It's the beaten path, the things that I'm supposed to do. So, you know, I wrote down a few things. Uh, what is the flesh hates order and structure? We talked about that. <clears throat> But in order for us to hit the mark continually, discipline must be in place. And what do we know? One of the definitions of sin is what missing the mark. So just think about it. We see people. I think there was this, you know, I love basketball. I love watching basketball. You know, this is where I waste some of my time, honestly, is I'm looking for an NBA game, March Madness. I'm there. All oh, that last shot. You know, I mean, just. Oh my God, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in it, right? Long as Duke is losing, I'm happy. It's wonderful. It's a dream, you know? So, um, you know, it, in the midst of that, I can begin to miss the mark, you know, because I'm being undisciplined with my time. But you're seeing people who are being disciplined and I'm cheering for people who are being disciplined about what they do. I'm cheering for that athlete that has 
shot all these shots, right? <clears throat> in the gym when nobody was there to have practice when he didn't want to practice, that practice when she didn't want to practice. And we marvel at the what they're able to do. We marvel at what they're able to accomplish thinking like, man, you know, you always want to be that person that was able to, you know, do these great things. But these great things are born out of this disciplined place. They're born out of this, 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 uh, this place of tedium, this place of, of where it is difficult, this place of where it is dry, this place where you're dealing and correcting things over and over again. You're looking at things over and over again, where it's, it's, it's not exciting. You know, when they got to go look at tape of the game and they got to go change this, change this, you shouldn't have did this. And they got to be open enough to say, hey, you know, yeah, I messed that up. Or, hey, you know, look, yeah, okay, I see where I need to adjust. Those are the best ones, the best players, the best athletes, the best people that when they're open to say, I can, I, you can continuously correct me. For some of us, because discipline in the form of correction cannot come continuously, you only, you only open to it when there's a big mess. By the time you've already messed up a lot of stuff, then you're like, okay, tell me what to do. Correction could have been coming the whole time to train your mental faculty to never even be in that place, to train your moral character to not make that decision, to train your outlook, to see the correction that this is wrong and I must hit the mark that is right, called righteousness, you know, called obedience. So sometimes I miss the mark. Why? Because I don't want correction. I don't want correction. I don't want somebody to continuously tell me what's wrong or continuously adjust me and adjust me and adjust me because we want to come to a place of completion. We want to come to this place of uh, where we are uh, finished with our process. Well, I've done enough. You know, we want to finish everything. But this walk, you have to make up your mind to understand that this walk is not about finishing. Uh, uh, in the sense of where you come to a place of perfection. That's not going to happen to after you die or after he comes. So while we're still here, in order to deal with this disciplined nature, I have to allow this, this uh, correction to come continuously. You know, there was a, a that thing they did, some type of, a, a, they reported about Curry, Stephen Curry hit like over 100 shots or something like that in a row. Right. It was a display of discipline. Some people didn't even believe it. He's already been dubbed to be the best shooter of all time ever to ever grace the court anywhere in the world to be the best shooter of all time. How did you do you, that didn't happen sitting on the couch? That didn't happen making excuses like, man, ain't nobody going to make them all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, but I can make 80% of them. I can make 90% of them. I'm trying to make them all. That's what I'm trying to do. That, and I'm pretty sure in his mind, like, and he's never like, oh, I'm trying to miss. I know it. He may accept that, okay, I may miss some, but that's not my goal. My mental faculty, the way I'm thinking about this is not to miss. So just think about this. Have you made an excuse for yourself to miss? to miss righteousness, to miss the mark of the glory of God. I mean, is that embedded in your mind? Like, yeah, ain't nobody perfect. Yeah, this, these things are true. 
But can we say, okay, but my mindset is to do what I need to do and not to live on the crutch of that statement. <laughs> Nobody is perfect. But I'm not, I'm not in my mindset. My mindset is not to live on the crutch of that, that nobody's perfect. I know I'm not perfect, but can I be disciplined? Discipline is the closest thing. Consistency is the closest thing to perfection or maturity that we can come to when we're talking about this walk with God. And this is this flesh nature hates it. So if we can't wait on God to make us discipline, it's a choice we make. It's our responsibility. <laughs> and this is, you know, even talking to Pastor Lincoln about this when he asked me, and we just began to talk. God just began to open this up and connect it that he was, I mean, I just know it was God. And, um, you know, it shows, uh, you know, priority of what is important to us. As we begin to talk about this, I begin to ask my question. I say, you know, there's been a lot of times that I've been waiting for that moment of, and I asked them, I said, do you think that a lot of the people in the body of Christ kind of think this way? Like when you're going to have such an experience to where you'll never be the same. You know, we, we sing it, never the same. You know, we all, you know, we sing these things and we already, we're already never the same, right? We've already changed, right? <laughs> we have to come to a place to understand that, that, that discipline is my responsibility. It's not going to be God is going to come down and just fill you with this. We see that nowhere in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible. We see nowhere in the Bible where he said, I'm going to kill your flesh for you. It's nowhere in the Bible. We see in the Bible, and this is what the Lord began to do with me. My son came to me because he was looking up a scripture and he was like, it, it, I forgot what the scripture was, but he was talking about it, pretty much purifying yourself. That the Bible talks about if you believe this, then you purify yourself. <laughs> Not that I'm going to come and purify you. No, you do it according to what you believe. You let your actions follow what you believe. You do the work that it takes to be clean yourself. Yeah, I'm coming to clean you, but I'm coming to clean you enough so you can be able to make yourself clean afterwards. Right? <clears throat> There's some responsibility that we have to take. God is not going to pour, oh, okay, yeah, 2 Timothy 2 and 21. And God is not going to pour discipline into us. He pours his spirit, but the spirit does not stay. Uh, you don't get access to the Holy Ghost continuously without a disciplined life. Because the, the spirit of God is disciplined. You know, he, it's, it's not something he's just going to come. It's just going to be just, just one service. Somebody's going to lay hands on you. You're going to get an impartation and you're going to do this. And, you know, this is going to be one this one time in worship. No, it has to be a decision that you make out of your own heart that God is worth my discipline. God is worth my routine and my repetition. God is worth my grind. Because this is one of the synonyms for routine, grind. You know, everybody talking about, oh, they want to be on that grind. Meaning you have to see what does your routine say about your relationship with God? I know we got to get into the scriptures. So y'all bear with me. Amen. What does your routine say about your, 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 uh, how you look at God? What does your routine say about your value to God? Your day. Not what you say out of your mouth. 
What does your routine say? Your daily routine. These are the things that are important to you, whether you structure in that routine, whether there is structure in that routine or not. These are the things that your heart is choosing to say, these are important to me. <clears throat> this is what I choose to be to do with my time. All right, we'll get into this. Uh, let's let's go to uh, well, we already here. Daniel chapter six, verse six, and um, I know this seems like some very long scriptures, but it's I got you. Amen. <laughs> so these the then these presidents and princesses assembled together to the king and said. Thus, nothing am King Darius live forever. You know, so I'm gonna just give you a little bit of background, just a small amount of background. Uh, uh, Daniel just got promoted to being one of the presidents, one of the three presidents in this kingdom that was gonna be over all the princes that were over the uh, individual king. So he was given a very, very high position. And I began to ask myself, I said, okay, God, some of us sometimes can stay disciplined enough for the promotion, but can you stay disciplined enough to keep the promotion? Are you still disciplined after the promotion? Are you going to change your routine after promotion? After you begin to go up? After the, 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 the level of your life brings you to a place of favor, what is going to change after that? Do you not understand that once you get into that place, that discipline was just to get you there. There's still discipline to help you to sustain being there. So really, a lot of times, more discipline is actually going to be uh, going to have to be obtained, right? You're going to have to have more repetition. Your routine is going to be have to be more rigid. It's going to have to be you have to be more uh, dedicated. <clears throat> Because for many of us, you we want stuff that we're not willing to dedicate ourselves to get. And that includes God. We want a certain life that we really don't want to live. Listen to what I'm saying. We want a life that we don't want to live. I mean, I want the life that 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 has these particular amenities uh, and this 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 level of uh uh you know uh uh relaxation or this level of freedom, you know, this freedom that people talk about and all oh, they just want to be, you know, uh, you know, financially free and all these other things. But one thing I've learned, and there's a certain level of discipline that comes with these things. We want more money to be undisciplined. <clears throat> and that's not the way these things work. More money means I'm going to have to be more disciplined. More, you know, more, more, more uh, favor means I'm going to have to be more disciplined in my relationships with my passion, with who I am, with how I handle people. So Daniel, Daniel did not change. And the people, the other presidents were really upset with him and the princes and everything. They really was trying to have some kind of occasion. But they said, I can't find no fault in this man. This is death. That's proof. When you begin to read this, read this from uh, the first, the first verse, it's proof that a disciplined person can begin to live a blameless or a faultless life. That even when the enemy comes, I, I, I don't know what to do with him. I can't break in. I can't break up his routine. 
I can't break up the repetition that he has with God or the repetition now that is in his character. Because now his character is a certain way. And he's not changing his character for nobody. He's not changing his character for, it, for, for any situation, not even for the promotion. <laughs> so these guys, they said, look, we need to assemble together. And they said, the only way we're going to get them is we're going to have to make a law against his God because they knew that was the source of everything of who he was. So the only way to break up, break up the connection of who he was in his character was to break up his connection to God, to try to, right? So they went to King Darius and verse seven said, all the, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, now they're lying, right? Because now all the presidents come together to do this. But all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree. That's that word firm again, right? Uh, that whosoever shall whosoever shall ask a petition of any any God or man for 30 days, save a of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So they said, look, the only way to break up him or to come to have five fought against him is to make some type of law that has to disconnect him from God because they understood it was his pride and his priority to God was so strong. This was the source of his discipline. This was the source of everything in his life. This was the source of how he was the person that he was. This is why, this is why he was being promoted. This is why King Darius liked him a lot. Right? So now they come into the king. King is not really discerning. You know, I don't think Daniel was there. I begin to read this, and I don't believe that he was there because they were meeting, and but it does not say that he was really there or he agreed to this, you know. Um, but we don't see him disagreeing. <laughs> and this is what this is what was amazing to me. So even the verse eight says, "The now king established the decree and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the law and the means." Uh, of the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Meaning once he signed it, he couldn't go back and change it. Once he put it in place, it didn't matter who it affected. He could not go back and change it. And they knew that. <clears throat> so they were trying to set this thing up against Daniel, you know, so they can try to bring Daniel down because he lived such a disciplined life. His character was molded in such a way. His thought pattern was molded in such a way that this man could be trusted. You may look at when you look at the book of Daniel, and this is one the book of Daniel is one that is where God spoke to me first. When I began to seek the voice of God when I was unsaved, he spoke to me first out of this book. This is where how I begin to get introduced that God can speak to me. <clears throat> you know, so in, in the book of Daniel, he you see him just walking through different situations but never changing his character. It didn't matter who he was facing. It didn't matter what odds he were against. It didn't matter what was coming against him. It never broke up what he needed to do, what he had chosen to do. So come on, let's read down to verse 10, and then we're going to kind of 
talk about everything else. Amen. So wherefore the king there and wherefore King Darius signed the, the writing and the decree. So now, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what did he do? He went into his house and, and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four times. So there's so much here just in this particular scripture. He did not let what was put in place to oppose his discipline to break up the discipline that he already had in place. He knew that what he knew that the consequences, he knew that he didn't suppose to do this. He knew that he didn't, that this was, that, that there were things in place to oppose this. And this is where, uh, for me, when I begin to look at this, um, even as we was talking and me, Pastor Lincoln was talking, it was, I begin to ask the question, like, and we begin to talk about the breaking up of these routines that we have. When we begin to break up a routine, when things get in the way, when stuff come up and uh, things oppose what we, what we have planned to do, and, and some of us will say out of our mouths, you know, stuff just don't work out the way, you know, you work, you know, you plan it. It never works out the way you plan all of a one thing after another, you know, but we, just think about what you're saying. You're welcoming one more thing into your life. You're welcoming, you know, things to be messed up in your plans all the time. Or instead of saying, okay, God, what, what am I planning and what is it that I need to do? Uh, how do I need to maybe adjust my plan? Or am I still committed to the, the discipline that I have in my life to be able to have a foundation to do the things that I need to do no matter what opposition comes? <clears throat> He had made a full decision. His mind was made up. It didn't matter what law was put in place, what king was there, what opposition he had. For some of us, we get frustrated. Now, I just keep on trying. It's not just can't do it. And the enemy knows he can just nudge sometimes uh, the frustration of our flesh or the flesh kind of getting in the way or, you know, or sometimes it's just the flesh just in the way enemy is not even a part of the situation. Maybe he's working on somebody else, but, you know, a lot of times it's just the flesh that's in the way. It's just the flesh. <coughs> or it's when somebody else's will begins to affect what you're doing. These other men wanted to destroy him. That didn't stop him. We'll get so caught up in, oh, that person don't like me. Oh, this person don't. Oh, they always got something to say. All oh, this. We get caught up in the trivial things instead of staying focused on what we're supposed to do. What you said this, and you ain't have to say it like this. And you how can spending a whole day, a whole week being upset about something that it can take you a little while to talk through and forgive. Is, is a waste of time. And it's actually a discipline in the wrong direction. Some of us are disciplined to hold on to anger. You're disciplined to hold on to faults and alts. You're disciplined to hold on to things that people have done. Discipline to hold on to unforgiveness. Instead of just saying, you know what? Let me discipline myself to forgive. 
let me discipline myself to not to, to know how to let these things go. Let me discipline myself to, you know, some of us are disciplined to hold on to uh, uh, lustful, lustful things that we have seen. Hold on to body parts. You're holding on to this. We're disciplined to, to hold on to these things instead of saying, mm, no, I cast that down. Oh, no, no, I don't need to look again. No, I don't need discipline. Our discipline is in the wrong way. We're disciplined according to this flesh nature instead of being disciplined according to righteousness. We're disciplined to follow that sometimes. Because many of us have not truly died to the flesh, though you know how to break down a scripture, though we speak in tongues, though we can cast out a devil, though you can prophesy, though there may be miracles and, and, and signs and wonders and, and healing in your hands and in your mouth and in your body and your belly and all these things that we say, you know, though there's, there's evangelism and, and, and all these things in your feet and all these things that we've talked about that, that are true. They're true. But they do none of these things take the place of the daily discipline of following God. If we really think about it, and this is what God had to work me over about all the gifts and all these other things, they are graces for God to do stuff for his body and to save souls. The gifts and the callings are not repentance because they can never be earned. Therefore, they have no merit on whether we are good or not. Meaning they don't have, they'll bring us no extra value in the sense of that we're more important than someone else. They mean nothing as far as character. And we see this because I'm not saying that God does this all the time, but we have seen the gifts being an operation in people's lives. I've seen in my own life not truly being in a real, real good place, a real, real close connection with God does not mean that you still can't go forward and do some of the things that God has told you to do or some of the things he's doing for his body because God will use you while you're on the way to hell. He will. While you save someone else, while, while he uses your mouth to save someone else, while he uses your witness and your, your life to save someone else, he will, he will use you while you make the decisions to not follow him. So these things mean nothing, and we see this in Scripture. Oh, I cast out devils in your name, God. He, depart from me, I didn't know. I never knew you. Why? Because it takes discipline to know a person. It takes discipline to know, to know God. It takes discipline to stay in a relationship with God, with people, with jobs, with yourself. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to take things from people that you don't want to take, move past stuff, and still value the relationship that you have. That takes discipline. It takes discipline to, to stay focused on the real, true purpose of what this is and not get caught up in the trivial. 
we all get caught up in the trivia because nobody want to be played. Nobody want to say, hey, you getting you getting one up on me. Nobody want to be used. Nobody want to have to do more than the other person in any relationship. And some of us feel like that with God. God, you asked me to do all this. What about the stuff you said you was going to do? <clears throat> what about the stuff you said you was going to do? You asked me to do more. I'm still waiting on the stuff you said you was going to do. You know what I'm saying? But it takes discipline to say, no, but I'm holding up my end of this because this is the relationship that I've committed myself to. So he didn't even let the will of what other people had done, what the decisions that they made begin to break up the commitment that he had to his rep, to his routine and the repetition of that routine. Really look at your life and begin to ask yourself, what is what what does what does my life really say about what I what I value? Am I lying? Do I really value my flesh? <clears throat> Though, and, and, and am I am I hiding behind the validations of that God's spirit comes upon me sometimes, that he uses me, that and all these different things, but do I really have a relationship with him? <clears throat> Look at the boldness of Daniel. He didn't. He didn't get out of character. He said, "Okay, after I know that they put this in place, I'm, I'm going to do the same <clears throat> same thing I did before." He went into his house. I'm going to open up the window. I'm going to kneel and pray. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care because this. I understand the value of this. This is worth my life. This is worth my life. So if it costs my life, I've paid the price. I'm fine with that. What, what can cause us to be more disciplined? You're going to have to make what we talked about last week a decision. A decision, a real decision. God is not going to come down and give you more power to be disciplined. It actually takes more discipline to get more power. So this is if you get more power without discipline, this is how people get corrupted and they go insane. Really go back and study some of the people who had a whole lot of power and, and some of the things that happened. Because the glory of God magnifies the good and the bad. Go back and see people who were following. Go back and study some of the people who were following him and God did mighty signs and did great things and all this, and how it affected their life, good and bad. We have to get to the place where we say, okay, God, what are the daily decisions that I'm making? Even in the midst of opposition. And th this is how some of us, you know, I'm going to say for me, you, soon as you try to say, I'm going to do this, this come up, this come up, this come up. This, all these different things begin to come up. And it's frustrating. Oh, my goodness, it's frustrating because you feel, like, okay, I, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. 
But I'm not that frustrated when I spend an hour and a half watching the game. But I said, well, I, I've made up my mind that I need that. <laughs> <laughs> that this is my time of rest and relaxation. But am I, am I willing to give up that time to do the thing that, that I'm, hey, maybe it was difficult for me to do. So now I have to give up this time. I don't want to give up my time. Because this is when I can see somebody get crossed up and I can see somebody hit the three. I can see somebody, you know what I'm saying, get slammed on. And these things, I, I, they excite me and they, and they make me excited. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, you know, it's, it's competition. I want to see who's going to win, see the stats, see, see all these different things, see who's going to get MVP. You know, those, these things are interesting to me. Am I willing to give up my interest to be able to do what it takes or do what I need to do. There's been times I tell my wife, I say, I can't start another show. You know, I can't start it. I just, I have to be real. If I get caught up in the show, I may not have the discipline to stop watching the show. I, I may not have the discipline to cut the TV off and go to bed. And then I'm, I'm, I'm asleep all the next day. We have to look at, okay, we could be sleepy and upset and we agitated and all this other stuff. But how, what, watching TV? I'm tired. I'm t- Go to bed. God ain't keeping me up. The TV is keeping me up. And I am keeping me up because I'm watching it. And it's doing nothing for me. My spiritual life, nothing. But, oh, I don't have time to pray. Go to bed, or if you're going to stay up all night, stay up all night and pray. You ever thought about why Why is it so easy to watch the next show, stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning, and then when and when you say, God, I'm going to spend an hour with you, oh, I just feel like it's sleep is just filled the whole house. I mean, like, sleep so heavy, you could barely get through 10 scriptures. As soon as you open up the Bible, See, I do think some of it is the devil, but I think some of it too is also this flesh. We have not trained this flesh. This flesh says, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, 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 no. No, because we don't think the flesh is that smart. We don't think this sin nature has an identity that it has intelligence. It knows when you're trying to train it to come subject. So it was like, no, go to sleep. It's not interesting. It's not exciting. <coughs> it's not, this isn't, this doesn't stimulate me. Like, oh, the next show or, you know, all oh, that basketball game, all oh, it's 10 seconds left and it's a one point lead and all this stuff. This doesn't excite me like that. Boy. Just think about this. Why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? Can we tell the truth that many of us are just not excited about God? I'm excited about moments with God, <laughs> but I'm not excited continuously. Why? Because it takes discipline to be excited in a relationship continuously. Because you're having to deal with yourself and deal with the other person 
in this in this particular instance, God, to keep things going when it's when it doesn't when it feels dry, when you read and you didn't get nothing, when you prayed and you didn't hear anything, but you did it anyway. You did it because you have committed to do it. You did it because this, you, you're holding up your part of the relationship, your part of the covenant. You didn't do it to get results. You didn't do it to get a response. Do you want a response? Yes, it'd be nice to hear something. It'd be nice for it to be exciting, you know? <laughs> but he knows it can't be exciting all the time because we'll get hooked on the excitement. We'll get hooked on the high times. We're looking for the high times in God, the high times in, in, our, in our relationships. We're looking for the high times. It's, it, 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 we get hooked on that. We're looking for that adrenaline rush and, and we, can, we can go. But when we're having to sit down and have rough, tough conversations, sit down and walk through things that we don't we don't want to walk through and talk about things we don't want to talk about and talk about our flesh and talk about the things that you know we wish were dead in, in our lives and, and in our hearts and stuff like that. It gets difficult, and that's what we truly run from, but that is the place of growth. It's in that place. The high times is just like injections of excitement to keep you motivated. A lot of times, you know, to see that God is still moving. But the real growth comes from discipline. It comes from discipline. If you want something that I just don't feel close to God, how much time are you spending daily with him? And just be realistic. If you're not disciplined enough to spend two hours with God, don't go and try to spend two hours. Because this is where we get so... We get so, you know, I'm trying to compensate. Because, man, I need to catch up. I'm so behind. I'm so this. No, just start where you at and gain some momentum. Start where you at. If you know you need to challenge yourself and that's where you are, start where you at. Do a little bit more to challenge yourself and gain some momentum. Build a habit. Build a discipline. And from that discipline, from that discipline, growth will begin to come. Excitement will begin to come. You'll begin to see the value of different things. They'll begin to come. But discipline is going to take us killing this flesh, bring an order to this flesh. I mean, I have to turn the TV off. I might have to, I might have to stay up 30 more minutes. But we say, oh man, I'm tired. I ain't gonna get how you just gonna go and not sleep. We make these sweeping comments when God wants more or when, when more is being asked of us until the thing that we want and we desire, we have all this energy for. It's called flesh. <laughs> and we all deal with it. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But I can stay up two more hours, an hour and a half for what I want. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this flesh that says, fulfill me, and I give you energy, but deny me, and I'll make you tired. So this is where you, when you do feel tired sometimes, you have to discern yourself. And I know I'm going over a little bit. You have to discern yourself and say, God, am I in my flesh? 
not all tiredness is because you're truly tired. Some tiredness is your flesh. Some tiredness has to be denied, fought through, and asked God, God, give me strength right here. <clears throat> give me strength right here. Give me, God, help me right here. Get, help me to stay more focused. God, train, train this flesh. Like, uh-uh, no, it's time to stay up. I've smacked myself before. I know that sounds crazy, but I train it. No, you do what I want you to do. I don't follow you. I don't follow you. You do what I want you to do. And sometimes I do follow it, though. And that's where stuff get all messed up, and then I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated probably 90% of my life because it's times when I have followed my flesh when I'm sitting there, and I just don't want to do some work, knowing I need to work. And then I'm stressed out the next day because I got a whole lot of work to do. It's my flesh. Instead of just disciplining myself to do what I need to do, and then I got the next day to do other things that need to be done. Excuse me. Let's go down to verse 16. I'm gonna let y'all go. <clears throat> so then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest, continue. He would deliver thee. This man's character was so above board that when the king saw that Daniel, when the king saw that, that Daniel was the one that this, that this decree was going to affect, the king started fast. When he saw that he was going to have to, he got sorrowful. But his devotion to his God was so serious that it was so known. Not because he went about talking about it. It was just so seen. The evidence of his discipline was on display. The evidence of his routine was on display. <clears throat> the evidence of him, him doing what he needed to do day to day was on display to the point to where, look, look, look at the king. Look what he said, thy God whom thou service continue. He would, the king got faith in God. The guy, if the God you serve, I know he's going to save you. I might not serve him, but the God, I know the God that you serve. I have learned about the God that you serve through how you serve him and through what he does through you. He was so devoted that it made other people believe that his God was real that did not believe in his God. So what some of us we want to be, oh, I want this person to be saved. How disciplined are you? What does your life really speak? What is it really saying? So when we want this R and R, this rest and relaxation, uh, where we, you know, a lot of times that's what we want. We need in this, in this day and time, right now during this series, we need routine and repetition. Do the boring stuff. Hear me. Do the boring stuff. 
Master the mundane. Be terrific in the tedium. Do, do the stuff your flesh don't want to do. That included me too. Do that. Have a conversation you don't want to have when you don't want to have it. Train yourself how not to flow in anger when you're mad by challenging yourself when you're mad to not flow in anger instead of waiting to calm down. Don't wait to calm down. Go against it in the moment and train yourself how to come out faster. Train yourself to talk when you don't want to talk so you can, when it's time for you to deal with stuff you don't want to deal with, when it's time for you to talk when you don't want to talk, when it's something that you want, that you can talk. So you can begin to, so you don't miss certain opportunities. God want to come bring your way. Some of oh, you don't like dealing with people. You don't, how is God going? I know I'm about to be quiet. <laughs> how is God going to bring certain opportunities your way through people when you don't want to deal with people? <clears throat> when you don't want to talk to people? You don't, you barely want to be bothered. Eight, well, I'm about to say 18 hours out of the day, Lord. <laughs> but some of us, we barely want to be bothered. 12 hours out of the day, eight hours out of the day. I do what I need to do, you know. But I'd rather just be by myself. But he knows you shut everything down, you're shutting stuff down. How much are we really missing that God wants to give to us? We read the scriptures. There's so much richness in the scriptures, so much that he said he's given to us. Why are we not experiencing some of that? Let's be real and honest. Most of us are not disciplined. It's not because the Holy Ghost ain't there. It's not because God has not saved us. It's not because God has not chosen us. It's not even because the devil just, just beat you down that bad. Because most of us, we ain't making that much noise to get that much warfare in our lives. No way. He ain't coming out to folks that he said, oh, you just, man, just let them do what they're going to do for three days. Just give them three days, man. We, we don't even have to waste time with them. We need to find this person over here that's been doing what they was doing for the last five years. I need to get them off track. But that person, man, three days, he's going to be excited. By Thursday, he ain't going to remember the word. Don't even worry about it. You know, just go and agitate them on Wednesday night or on Thursday morning. It ain't even, it ain't even that important to them like that. That person over there, oh, man, that's important to them. We need to really, really distract him and fight him fight him or her. Amen? Amen. So I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Routine, repetition, master the mundane, be terrific in the tedium. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's bring order to this flesh where it cry out, where it's mad, it gets sleepy, where you feel like you get sick, you get a headache, and all, that, all these things the flesh do. The flesh will start hurting. Your body will start hurting and everything. All these things the flesh do. Just to get you not to do what you're supposed to do. This is why we say our apostle, we see no matter what, he, we done seen him go through stuff and he still, mm -mm, no, we're going to get his word. We're going to do this. We don't. Why? Because this flesh, I, you don't tell me what to do. Even though you hurt and you said you're going to carry my hurt and flesh, and we still going to obey God. We're going to carry this headache. We still going to obey God. We're going to carry this body ache. We still going to obey God. We're going to carry this sleepiness. Maybe I have to get a little shot of coffee. And we still gonna obey God. Amen.